2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. End of the chapter, last paragraph. We'll read the word. Therefore, we do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. We've been looking at this text, and, and, and I, I expressed to you this text. And in the context of Second Corinthians, it has to do with ministry. This is what, what it means to be a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? But you had to have 1 Corinthians, which is personal holiness. And, and when I look at the personal holiness of 1 Corinthians, then it dawns on me that, okay, once that issue is sought, then you become to the place of a minister. One of the things that I've watched in the body of Christ over the years is we, we see people who are infants in Christ, and we think if we make them a teacher, then they'll grow more. Well, that's suicide. Um, James tells us not many of you should be teachers, for theirs is a harsher judgment. Okay, what we do is through discipleship, that is the Great Commission, and through discipleship, we strengthen each other for the task that is at hand. That's why I study the Bible as much as I do. I really want to make an emphasis on this. I never study Scripture for the sake of teaching. I never study Scripture for the sake of preaching. I study it so that I will be strengthened. Because there's things that he shows me in the text that I just sort of shake my head and go, I don't know what that's about. All right, and then six months down the road, I get blindsided by something, and all of a sudden it's like, I know what that's about. That's, that's why, I, you know, I, I remember one time uh, I had this goofy thought of teaching the book of Job. And I said, nah, nah, man. Because every time I teach something, I have to ask myself, is this true of me? And then I'm just, I don't, Job's okay. <laughs> it's, you know, patience. There you go. Now we got that one dealt with. Move on. And, and when I look at this, when I look at the apostle Paul here, I think about where he has in his life and where he is in his ministry and the suffering that he has to be going through. All right. I mean, when you think about the daily concerns for the church, this is after he goes through dangers in the country and dangers in the city, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers from my people, you know, being beaten with rods and being stoned and left for dead and being whipped and shipwrecked and all these other things. And then my daily concern for the church. Okay. And, 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 and that burden that he had to carry it, it and it comes, I mean, you take the beatings and everything and say, well, that's physical. Okay, but then you take the concerns for the church and that becomes the emotional side, but it also becomes a spiritual side. That's where the war is. And when I look at that, when I read here, as we studied last week, our outer man is decaying. And let's be realistic. Just the aging process causes the outer man to decay. All right. But then if you take the daily concerns for the church, and the spiritual and emotional side of being a minister of the Lord Jesus Christ. And let me be honest with you. If you're saved today, and I'm not talking about you have a said faith, but you have a real faith. You're a minister. You serve. That will take a toll on you. It'll wear you out. It'll wear you out. And yet, we've all been called to it. So how do I step into this battle? And, and, you know, and it's easy to sit here in the United States today and say, well, I'm not going to lose heart. Losing heart means become timid, lose my boldness, become a coward for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Nah, that's, that's, not, that's not that tough. And yet there'll be times in your life where you don't want to share your faith. You know what you just did? Lost heart. I want to share what the Bible says. I don't want to ever be quiet. Just continue on. 
day in and day out. And you know what? There's times that it offends people. Not my problem. Keep doing it. And yet you watch people reject it and you, you become weary. You watch people walk away after years. And it becomes a burden. You keep thinking, what is the point of it? And every once in a while we'll get like Elijah and go up and sit by the tree and says, I'm the only one. Okay, only do that if Jezebel's after you. And there's more theology in that than I want to touch on right now. (laughs) How does the Apostle Paul, knowing that the outer is decaying, is he's aging. We're all aging. You can't stop it. Some of you are aging well, some not. Okay? But we have the normal wear and tear. Um, you know, this week I had a, some people that have these gates, that, like a garage door opener thing, and you push the button and the gate opens. And what they tried to do, these are all running off a solar cell charging a big old marine battery. And the snow came in, and they thought that it hit the button. And the gates would move the snow. <laughs> um, it, it don't work that way. Okay. And in some cases, they're stuck one open, one closed, and they can't get out. So I get the call. And here I am, kneeled down, working in these control panels in the snow, up to about my thighs, working on these things. And then all of a sudden, you got to stand back up again after your knees have gotten good and frozen. And you say, I'm aging. <laughs> and I did it here in about 15 minutes. Okay? Because, you know, and it's painful. You stand up, and you're sitting there going, oh, my word. And they said, well, what do you think? I says, I wouldn't have one of these things. <laughs> so... Um, but you, you and I have different things and we're at different ages in this room. And there are things that you can't change it. You're still aging. Then you throw into the mix, the spiritual and the emotional side of walking with Christ in ministry. And now all of a sudden it escalates. The apostle Paul was pouring himself out for Christ. How does he keep pressing on? How do you press on when the church says, there's nothing special about him? He's not that good a speaker. I mean, and and really, is he really doing the ministry of Jesus Christ when he seems to make more people mad than he does get them saved? Isn't that what the church is in the United States today? You know, I just want you to walk an aisle and say a prayer. Get another little feather in my cap, jewel on my crown, whatever you want to call it. And yet the Great Commission is what? To make disciples. And you know what? Making disciples takes time. It takes sacrifice. And it goes on and it goes on and it goes on. And, and you know, when I, when I think about making discipleship, when are you complete? When have you finished? When you step into glory, when the decaying process wins, the apostle Paul looks at this on how do I endure? And in these three verses, he gives us some amazing stuff. And one that we're looking at right now is the spiritual over the physical verse 16, because he says, even here, I'm not going to lose heart, even though the outer body is decaying. What? Yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. Paul understood what was going on in the inner man was far more important than what was going on in the outer man. You and I struggle with that. Directly attached to the decaying, the dying of the outer man was the growth of the inner man. Okay? That is what was primary emphasis of the Apostle Paul. That is what made him a minister of endurance. He didn't focus on the outer man. He put more value on the spiritual growth in the inner man than he put on the physical strength in the outer man. 
He knew that God was at work on the inside, regardless of what was happening on the outside. God was making all things work together for the good of those who love him. Paul understood that. The inner man. What is the inner man? It's, if you use the Hebrew mindset, it's the heart. Okay? Um, we in our lives have, the heart is um, where I fall in love. Okay? Um, the actual Hebrew mindset was that was the bow. Kind of loses something, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, I saw her, my bow moved. <laughs> You really wouldn't sell a whole lot of cards with that, would you? Yeah, baby. You make my bow quiver. <laughs> I don't know. They looked at the heart as, as the place where was the center of the man. It's, it's where uh, the conscience is. It's where the spirit of the man is. It's where um, the emotions start from. It is the eternal part of us, the inner man. That is the part that lives forever. Um, Theologians call it the real being, the eternal being. Um, If you get into the guys that are really heady, into theology and all that weird stuff. It is the part that is affected by the regeneration of God's grace. Because let's be realistic. God's grace doesn't keep me from aging. Right? It doesn't keep me from contracting a disease or for, you know, uh, I have this uncanny ability to, no matter what I'm working on, to bust my knuckles. <laughs> it's just, it's... You can tell it's been a productive day by the number of bandages you got on your hands. It is the place that is the temple of the Holy Spirit. It is the dwelling place of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the inner man. Um, if you looked at um, was it Colossians three. That whole section there, actually the whole chapter of three deals with it. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things of this earth. You have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. All right. I mean, all of three or first 17 verses deal with this new self. That, that, that isn't there. Um, to make it a little more economical, Paul in uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 24, put on the new self. Okay, what is the new self, Paul? In the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of truth. That's the new self. That's the inner man. Okay, remember what we've learned and what we know? Out of the mouth speaks the heart that's where god's at that's why you can listen to your verbiage and your language and you can say god's present or god isn't it's really simple why what is that comes out of our mouths and have i put on christ the new creation and it is created after christ jesus it is the life of god it is the life of god in us. It is the mindset of Romans 7 where he says, we desire the law of God. Okay? Now, that is a great thing, except in Romans 7 it says, and loves it. I know people right now who desire the law of God and they're not real happy about it. I want to ask you a question. I read something a couple of weeks ago and I thought it was a fascinating statement. But I ask you a question on this. Is God in your life an intrusion? Think about that for a second. 
You know, when I think about getting up for Sunday school or Sunday night church or Wednesday or a time of prayer or this or that or whatever it is I'm doing, is it an intrusion into my life? Cutting down on my fun time. Because that is at the core of the inner man. You know, if, if you, if it is a, a chore for you to read your Bible, then that means God is an intrusion. You know, it's one of the reasons that I find prayer so powerful. How hard is it? The act of prayer. How much work goes into that? Some of your lives, not much. But anyway, right? To do the act of prayer. It that ain't hard. And yet, why is it so difficult for us to do? We'll jettison our prayer time because I'm running late and I want to go sit in traffic with all them other wonderfully happy people. Right? Well, I don't want to pray as hard. I ain't got time right now. And I, and I look at that and I think, well, wait a minute. But that's what we do. And But then there's the other side of it. Have you been with the Lord lately? Well, I haven't been in the Word, but I have been in prayer. Then how do you know what His answer is? Okay, I learned the hard way. The Word drives me to prayer. Prayer drives me to the Word. If I'm doing one, what are you doing? What are you doing? I mean, what, are you just throwing up a whole bunch of requests and hoping that something sticks? But you see, that's one of those things when I think about endurance, I ask myself, is God an intrusion in my life? The Apostle Paul, he wasn't. Why? He understood it. He understood in Romans 7 that he desired the law of God and there's a love for the law of God. That what God was throwing to him was for his blessing. Would we do this, we would save ourselves an awful lot of heartache. The inner man, Paul saying that through trials, through these sufferings, through these beatings, through all of this destroying of the outer man, the redeemed inner man, the regenerated inner man is constantly being renewed. See, do I put value on the spiritual things or do I put value on the physical things? Same phrasing as you see that the outward man is decaying. It's a continuous work. Same phrase he uses here. As the outer man is continuously being rotten, the inner man is continuously being renewed. It's an over and over and over process. It just continues. If you go to the letter to the Ephesian church, Ephesians chapter 3, a wondrous text. The Apostle Paul throws some stuff out here that I want you to think about. What do you value? Okay. Every one of you show humanity what you value. Did you know that? You can look at the way a person lives very quickly and say they put their value on fill in the blank. Fill in the blank. Okay, because we do. We do. The other day, well, I've told, shared this story. Uh, i seen a guy had an M4 Stewart tank, a World War II light tank. Okay, with the Detroit radial motor in it. It's just an awesome little thing. Uh, didn't really do much in battle because you could take 22 rifles and shoot through about six of them. Uh, but it made you feel like you were in a tank. I was like, cool, guy's selling it. He'll deliver it. How much? $185,000. Honey, 
<laughs> what do you think about me getting a tank? <laughs> well, what are you going to do with it? Make the neighbors nervous. <laughs> what do you think I'm going to do with it? That crazy Baptist preacher's got a tank. <laughs> and I thought, you know, if I even open my mouth and say I want to get a $185,000 tank, <laughs> I'd be a crazy Baptist preacher. <laughs> and I ain't that crazy. Why? Because we put value on things. We have things that we... Each of us in this room probably have something that we classify as a valuable that other people would look at and think, well, that's kind of crazy. Right? Every, every one of I mean, even with our spouses, your spouse may have something. Well, I think that that is really awesome. And that is goofy as a loon. Okay? And we do that. We do that. How much value do you put on the spiritual side versus the physical side? And it's obvious it's, it's, it's great. I mean, they're saying that the reason that our economy is all messed up is that we don't, all don't have houses. And when the housing industry comes back, then we're all going to go back to fat and sassy. Right? But then we'll... You know, I, I remember a joke years ago before the recession that we had an industry that was had just flourishing on refinancing. That's all it was. That's all they did. You don't realize what they're doing? Nothing. They ain't doing nothing. They're just refinancing. And you had a whole block of people. I'm in the business of refinancing. Well, think about what they're saying. What are you doing? Nothing. People aren't buying a house. They're just refinancing. And then they hook you. You can get more than the value of your house. And you can pay off your credit cards. Buy Europe. All right, and then all of a sudden people say, well, you know what, I owe more on my house than it's worth. Well, duh. <laughs> and I paid off my credit cards six times. But now I've got this massive balance on my credit cards, which means you learn nothing. Why? What did we put the value on? It was on the physical. It was on the physical. This is an amazing text here in Ephesians 3. He gives some amazing doctrine in chapters 1 and 2. And then he picks it up there to understand what he's doing. In verse 14, he says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father. Okay, this is what I pray, guys. This is what I pray. Whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name. That would be, I am praying to the Father who is the Creator. God only created existence. Look what he says. He would grant to you according to the riches of his glory to be what? Strengthened with what? Power. Where? Through his spirit. In the inner man. I pray that you will be strengthened by the Holy Spirit. Where? You know what's amazing here? He doesn't say, I pray that the Holy Spirit takes you to the gym and you become like Arnold Schwarzenegger. He says, no, I want you to be strengthened in the inner man. The inner man strengthened with what? Divine power. As the inner man is strengthened. But, and I try to get people to understand, well, what does it mean to be strengthened with divine power in the inner man? Well, read on. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints the breadth, the length, the height, the depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge. Did you get that? 
That's one of the greatest statements in Scripture. That you will know the unknowable. What is that? The love of Christ. That you will know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Why do single people want to get married? Or date? Why haven't they read that? Then when they read that, why don't they believe it? And I'll tell you why. They are focused on the physical. They are not worried about the spiritual. The inner man is irrelevant to them. That Christ would be at home in you. It says here, so that Christ would dwell in your hearts through faith. And it literally means to be at home. He is at ease in you. He is comfortable in you. He's not at odds with you. Your inner man would be filled with the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. That's amazing. That ought to make us stand up and act charismatic. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That the divine power of God would strengthen the inner man so that Christ would dwell there at home. Either you guys all know this or... Because <laughs> it freaks me out. Because he doesn't stop there. The Holy Spirit in the inner man strengthening you according to the riches of heaven. Okay, I'll let you guys ponder what are the riches of heaven. Okay, because there's, there's like three of them. <laughs> Whatever. That would only be the riches of creation. That would be, be the easier way to describe it. Okay? Holy Spirit, based on that level, strengthen you in the inner man so that Christ would be at ease, at home, at peace in you. Now, if he stopped right there, you just said, oh, man, that's good stuff. Look what he says, though. And you'll know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. And you'll be filled with what? The fullness of God. Think about that for a second. Do you see why the Apostle Paul to the Corinthians is saying... Hey, though the outer man is decaying, the inner man is being renewed day by day. What he's saying there is the Holy Spirit in the inner man is working in such a way that Christ will be absolutely at ease in your inner man. Then you will only be filled with what? The fullness of God. That's all. Really? That's amazing to me. Because yeah, I hear people say, you know, you're in dwell with the Holy Spirit. Not me, man. I got all three. Okay. This is one of those that I ask the Mormons about when they come or the JWs when they come. How's come it says here the Holy Spirit in the inner man going to make Christ in the inner man fullness of God in the inner man? I'm confused. Sounds like three. They hate it. We'll be back, Mr. Ball. You know, we're praying for you. Keep it up. <laughs> but I would pray that you, the Holy Spirit in the inner man would strengthen me that I may understand that that can't be understood. The love of Christ. All right. Do you see that? That when you look at the text in 2 Corinthians and you sit there and you say, the older man is rotting. Well, look what's happening to the inner man. It is moving the inner man to the fullness of God. Oh, did you see what it does after that? You will be filled all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond what we could ask or think according to the power that works in us. What? You will do exceedingly abundantly beyond what you could ever think or imagine.
Okay, now let me share with you something here. I'm going to go back to the rotting guy. Okay? Because you and I, we have a problem in the body of Christ right now. All right? I understand Paul's understanding and his concern over the church daily. I understand that. The problem that exists in the body of Christ right now is that too many in the church right now, Christ is not comfortable in them. And there is a plethora of reasons. Therefore, you cannot be existing in the fullness of God and you will never do exceedingly abundantly beyond anything you could think or imagine. You can limp along. Dude, I bought like a whole case of tracks and everywhere I go, I hand out one. Especially when I'm getting off the off-ramp there at Hamden and the guy wants a buck, I give him a track. I got news for you, that guy there on the ramp at Hamptons got more tracks than you and I'll ever have. And he don't care. It's like when I see people saying, well, you want to go up to Sturgis for the motorcycle rally and we'll share Jesus. They're not interested. The only guys in Sturgis who are interested in Jesus Christ is the one who got so lit up that he came into that corner out of Deadwood and missed it. And him and his motorcycle are stuck on some tree someplace and he's wanting Jesus desperately. But you will never do beyond what you can think or imagine in the ministry until the fullness of God is in you. And that will not happen until Christ is at home in you. And that cannot happen by, I have memorized the book of Philippians. Won't happen. It is not until the Holy Spirit in the inner man and until you and I realize that it is more important that we deal with what is the spiritual issue here than what is the physical issue, you will never change. It can't happen. It is according to the power that works in you. What is that power? It's divine power. It is the person of Jesus Christ. It is the person of God the Father. It is the person of the Holy Spirit conforming you into the image of His beloved Son. And until that is happening, that fullness is not manifest. And when that fullness is not manifest, you may be busy. I have seen people flat out busy for Jesus. But they're not doing exceedingly abundantly beyond what they could think or imagine because they haven't gone to step one. And you will watch it and it manifests itself all the time because there is no endurance. None. So many step into the ministry and fill in it. What is it? Well, I think we ought to do this. Or I think we ought to do this. Or God has laid it on my heart. We should do this. And we ought to go do this. And you know what? They get all fired up. They're going to do it. And we're going to in 30 days. And gosh, I'm tired. Well, maybe God wasn't in that. Well, try something else. No, you missed it again. Why? It is when the fullness of God is there because Christ in the inner man is at home there because of the power of the Holy Spirit strengthening the inner man there that they will do exceedingly abundantly beyond what they could ever think or imagine. And it becomes apparent. You start watching and going, man, can you believe what they're doing? Even we have been blessed beyond what you and I could have ever thought or imagined. But our problem is, do we endure? Because if we've done this, then what's next? That's what I look for. Yeah, that's great. But now what? Paul was more concerned according to the inner man than he ever was concerned about the outer man. He can stone me and leave me for dead. I don't care. You can beat me with rods. You can whip me. I don't care. I know that that suffering there will do what? Cause... 
an abundance of the power of God to be manifest in me. He's not concerned about what happens to him physically. His greatest concern is what is going to happen to him spiritually. How about you? How about us? What's the big concern? Only God renews the inner man. This is an operation of the spirit of the living God. For lack of a better phrase, that's where the Holy Spirit hangs out. In the inner man. And he's making the inner man a place where Jesus Christ is at home. Only God does that. When that happens, then Christ is at home in our lives. He's not at odds. He's not quarreling. He's not uncomfortable. That's when you see love fill the life. That's when you see God fill the life. That's when the power of God fills that life. Those are the people that when you watch them, you sit there and go, whoa. I remember one time, it's been, I think 1998 it was. It's called the uh, International Conference on the Bible. Uh, Dr. MacArthur had just come out with his study Bible. And I'd been reading these books in this guy, a little Welsh guy that I'd run into. I'd never run into. I thought he was dead because just what he was writing. You know, it's, it's, it's like if you read some of the stuff that the old guys wrote, you sit there and go, they've got to be dead because people today don't read this and they definitely don't write this anyway. I seen a, a, one of the speakers was going to be this guy named Stephen Olford. This is who I'd been reading. And I said, well, this has got to be like one of his kids or something. Okay. Come to find out he, he wasn't dead. Okay. But he had just gotten done with a year of an intense chemotherapy and radiation. Okay. And at this time, he would have been probably mid-70s. A little Welsh man, white hair, and I mean white hair. Okay, and, and, and at MacArthur's church, there's about six or seven steps to go up to the platform where the pulpit is. And I watched this little man and do. And I thought, oh, my God, we're going to have an incident here. He's going to roll down these steps because he was shaken and just quivering as he was trying to get up these steps. And I was like, somebody help him. Hurry. Okay, and I mean, he gets up. To this, and he walks around behind the pulpit and he almost falls over on it like this. And you're sitting there going, oh, this is going to be embarrassing. He told us to open up First Timothy chapter 4. And then it was like that kid, he, he was a kid. He literally transformed that frail man that you're like, oh my goodness. All of a sudden, it was one of the most powerful sermons I've ever heard in my life. And it just was, you stood in awe. And you said, I mean, it's the first time that I've ever seen a, a whole room full of pastors stand up and applaud at the conclusion of a message. And I've heard some dandies. But this one here, you're like, whoa. And, you know, and he says, well, you know, I'm not feeling well. I was... I'm fighting cancer and, you know, and he sits there and goes, gee, many crickets. Which brings me to another text. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10. 2 Corinthians 12, 10. Therefore, I'm well content. You ever strive to be content? I would be if everybody would leave the planet. <laughs> okay. Therefore, I am well content with weakness, with insults, with distresses, with persecution, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You know what he just did there? The physical is irrelevant. Let me ask you a question. I know a lot of questions today, huh? When are you strong? When do you feel like you are spiritually strong? Maybe you've never felt spiritually strong. I don't know. 
I know that I have felt spiritually strong numerous times. And you know what's amazing about it? I was always very physically weak. And that's depressing. But I understand the grace of God. Why? He doesn't want you to think you can do it. Do you want to do exceedingly abundantly beyond what you could ever imagine for the cause of Christ? When we are physically weak is when you are most prone to be spiritually strong. And what you'll find is, is that you must decrease so he can Increase. Why? The Holy Spirit in the inner man will make Christ dwell there, be at home in the inner man, and then the fullness of God is there, and then the power of God is unleashed in its fullness, and now you will do exceedingly abundantly beyond what you could think or imagine. And therefore, if I'm doing it in divine power, how much endurance do you have? All of it. Why? Who stops God? I'm just the old clay pot. That is totally awesome if you think about it. I mean, it will rock your universe. Paul says, I bear in my body what? The dying of Christ. In the same life of Christ is being manifest. It takes me to a text. One that many of you have heard over the years probably. And it's, it's, I love this because those of you who know me know that I have a, 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 just a side order of sarcasm in my life. See, I can say that my wife ain't here today. Because she'd say, side order? <laughs> That's an entree, dude. <laughs> Comes out of the letter by Isaiah 40, beginning in verse 28. He starts it this way, and I love this. Do you not know... I love that. Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth. You ever thought about that? The everlasting God, the Lord, ruler, king, the creator of the ends of the earth. (laughs) Does not become weary or tired. Hmm. His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary. And to him who lacks might, he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired, the vigorous young men stumble badly. Yet those who wait on the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired and they will not walk and not become weary. I love that. You stumble badly. Why? They get tired. And if you're truly honest with yourself, look at the evangelical community today and there is a bunch of them out there who are doing it themselves and are weary. They're tired. And those who are doing it in the strength of the Lord, because the strength of the Lord, he does not become tired. He does not become weary. And when they do it in his strength, guess what? They will not become tired. They will not become weary. That's spiritual life. Did you know that God is there in all your troubles? Jesus said, lo, I am with you most of the time. No, I am there with you to the end of the age. To the end of the age. And if we try to figure it out, he's only the everlasting God, the Lord and the creator of the ends of the earth. Therefore, your problem is what? If you find yourself in the service of God feeling weary and discouraged and all of these other things, then understand this. God appreciates your effort. It's just not getting you anywhere. You know, bless their little heart. When he gets completely exhausted and bone tired, he'll call on me. As we walk in this life, we have decay, rotting. And we have this weird thing that we're in called a spiritual war. Okay, we must realize to 
to take our eyes, a conscious effort, to take our eyes off the physical. Look into the goodness and the mercy of the grace of God and stay there and stay focused on it. There will and there is an increasing work of the Spirit in the inner man that will make us stronger and stronger as we age. Last week we were moving cows. And uh, uh, they only have school four days a week out there. Simla, Rama, And uh, so all the, the kids from the churches were out helping. Bless their little hearts. Okay. One of the things I've learned a long time ago about cows. Slower is faster. Okay. You don't run around the cows. You don't try to cut off the cow. You don't run out front of the cow. Uh, and, and you definitely don't want to get ahead to get between the mommy and the calf. Woo-hoo. Okay. You want to slow down on that one. Okay. And what you watch is the old guys are all just standing there. You know, and, and it's almost like they're automatically separating. Okay, you just walk through, you kind of spread your arms out every once in a while. And, and, you know, I don't even do the hooting and hollering thing like they did on the westerns. Wah, you! And I don't even do that. Why? It's, and cows just, what's that? <laughs> I've heard coyote, that ain't. Anyway. But what I learned is, is that you just walk patiently through it and you can drive the calves into the barn. You can drive the cows over to this pen. You can drive them into the back of the trailers. You can do whatever you want. And there's none of this hyperactive things going down. And you watch some of these kids and it's, it's funny to watch for me. You know, I'm not the one worried about the weight loss of my calves. But for me, there's, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> you're like, somewhere in here, somebody's going to get hurt. <laughs> and I'm putting my money on the cow. <laughs> she ain't. Okay. But, but you watch this stuff. And yet I watch it today in the body of Christ. You ever seen a new Christian? They're, they're like a little puppy, cute as a button, and just ah, shaking and excited and everything, and they just make a mess everywhere. Okay? But if you look at the saintly, the godly men and women who have walked the walk and talked the talk for years and years, they don't really get excited about nothing. They're just kind of cruising along. There's no spiritual high. There's no spiritual low. But then if you look at their lives, you will see God has done exceptionally, abundantly, beyond anything anyone could have thought or imagined in their life. How can we use them? Because they've bowed their knees before a holy God and said, Lord, here I am, send me. And at that process, this Holy Spirit starts making their inner man or their inner woman a place where Christ is at peace and he dwells easily there. And as he is dwelling there easily, the fullness of God is manifested. The power of God is unleashed in its fullness and exceedingly abundantly is beyond what is done. It's that simple. And they will run and they will not grow weary. We have trials. We have pains in life. We have heartaches. We have difficulties. We have sufferings. And you know what? You go through them. You wrap them up in a big old package. And all you can do is say they contribute to our inner strength. I know right now people in here who are discouraged and who are dealing with troubles and trials and tribulations and suffering and pain, emotional pain, spiritual pain, heartache and all the rest of it. And you know what? In some cases they're saying, but you know what? Somehow I'm going to grow out of this. You know what? It, it, it all of the suffering, all the heartache, all of the anxieties that life just beats us ragged with. You know what it does? It drives us to God. Look at the history of Israel. When they're blessed, what happens? They walk away. The whole book of Judges summarizes that. You bless them, we can handle it from here. And the next thing you know, they're off in the ditch someplace, they're under somebody's persecution, and here we go again. Help us, God. 
When Paul was attacked, or when we are attacked, we go to God? Paul did. That's where Paul understood his spiritual strength come from. I mean, if you think about it, he God's trying to get him to sit down and write the New Testament and has to throw his butt in prison to get him to do it. Well, who would have planned that? Why not take a sabbatical? You did. Happens to be in stocks. Listen, when there's nothing left of our own as Paul, there's none of our own strength there anymore. Guess what? Now you're ready to serve. Paul as we should lay full weight on the spirit of the living God, divine energy, and then you will become powerful. But then it is done in such a way that you won't take credit for it. You can't take credit for it. You know what? I have watched this over and over. Older saints. Okay. Those who love the traditional worship services. As they get older, what do we do with them? Put them on the shelf. They're retired. Put them in an Airstream camper and send them to Arizona. Truth of the matter is, I remember Henry Puyontek. Some of you would remember Henry. He ended up at the VA hospital um, in the nursing home. What a wonderful place that is. And I went up to visit him one time and to to say Henry was weak and frail is probably the greatest understatement that you could ever say because his spine had gone to a scoliosis area that I always made fun of him. You guys know how I am. But anyway, I made fun of him and says, Henry, she's untied because that's when he walked, he walked like this. And I was always busting on him, you know, yo, dude, your shoe untied. And he. I had a relationship with him. I don't do that with all people. I remember him in the nursing home. And he said, you know, a bunch of these guys don't know Jesus. And I said, well, Henry, tell them. And he looked at me and he says, well, yeah, that's right. You don't have to wait for your pastor to show up at your house to evangelize your neighbor. And I remember going up there just before his death. Before, you know, he got uh, he, he died shortly thereafter. And he would have a Bible study with a bunch of these guys. I wasn't even sure that any of these guys were coherent. But they'd be all sitting around this table. And he'd have his Bible there, be all bent over. And he's just getting right after it. Late 80s, dying. Wanted to leave because he wanted to see his wife again. And what we do is when they get old and frail and feeble, we just say, hey, well, let's slide them out of the way. And I'm sitting there going, you know what? When they're in their physical weakness, where's the power going to come from? Because they are physically weak, we want to set them aside. Truth of the matter is, I think about Dr. Olford walking up in that pulpit and preaching. The weaker they are, the stronger they are. First Peter chapter 5, verse 10 says, After you have suffered a little while, God of all grace, who has called you to His eternal glory in Christ, will Himself, note that, doesn't need your help, will Himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Paul, writing to the Philippians, understand he's chained to a Roman soldier, waiting his trial, says, I have suffered greatly. I'm in jail right now. I'm still suffering. You know, the food in jail, that's just better than airline food. He says, but I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Second Timothy, last week we looked at it. He says, at my first arraignment hearing, there was no one there with me. But the Lord was there and he what? 
strengthened me. Paul's saying it's simple. The suffering, okay, understand, I'm not talking about self-inflicted suffering. I'm talking about suffering from being in the ministry and suffering just because the old body's decaying. Leads us, in some cases, it drags us to spiritual strength. Therefore, we endure. If there's a direct connection to spiritual growth, to physical suffering, that ought to just encourage everybody. We've all seen it. We've all experienced it. We've all had bouts of disease, death, heartache. And we are amazed at the spiritual strength that we get through the midst of our trials and our tribulations. See, it forces us to take our eyes off of the physical. And then when I take my eyes off the physical, what's left? The spiritual. Spiritual, with spiritual strength, you and I will endure. The more value that we put on the inner man over the outer man, the stronger you will see the work of God and the fullness of God in each of us individually and collectively. When we see spiritual strength, then we can understand that we're not looking at the physical side. What's it matter? What's it matter? What happens to us physically? The only importance of physical strength is that in its decline, it produces inner strength. That's how Christians minister. That's how Christians endure through service when, you know what? There's times when you look at ministry and you think, what was that for? That's how a minister, a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ has a life that lives and exists above the troubles of everyday life. The more concern that we have on the spiritual over the physical, the greater and the easier it is to endure. You ever thought about that? Count it all joy, brothers, when you fall into various trials. And we like to share that with those who are going through trials. But I guarantee you that we very seldom look at any kind of physical suffering with joy. I guarantee it. Oh, this is going to be great. I'm going to close with this thought. A few weeks ago. Well, it's been a little longer than that. A few months ago. I had to go in for a liver biopsy. Uh, All the experts. uh, My liver numbers are wrong. (laughs) I don't even know what that means. So, but your liver numbers are bad. Oh, well, I didn't know I had to study. <laughs> so, and they kept saying, well, you know, you got a fatty liver. So, do you exercise it? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what that means. Well, it means it's inflamed. Well, all right. <laughs> you know, I. I like spicy food, but anyway. I kept thinking, why, why, why now, Lord? I mean, all the abuse that I put through my liver when I was young, you know, why? And then I, you think about it, and you're like, well, all that damage is caught up with you. It's sort of like when you don't wash the car, it will eventually rust. Okay? Same thing with your liver if you don't wash it. Oh, wait, I did. Never mind. Um, <clears throat> I kept thinking, I don't understand this. Well, the guy that I went into, my liver doctor is what I call him. That's not what he is, a gastral something or other. Um, he comes in, and he's a trip, man. I, dude, I don't know who dressed you, but you look like you walked right out of a Beatles cover album um, in the late 60s. Um, but he comes in, and he's chit-chatting with me and all the rest of it. And uh, there I was in my blue jeans and my flip-flops and my Harley T-shirt. And He says, so what do you do for a living? I said, well, I'm a pastor. And he looks at me and goes, you're a what? 
And I said, you don't know how many times I hear that on a daily basis. <laughs> and he said, well, you know, and he, he wanted to do, he had all, all these numbers he was looking at. And I shared the gospel with him. Okay. God, I said, you know what? Too many uh, on this planet today are looking at the outside. And I said, uh, it's overrated. And then my family practitioner, my regular doctor who keeps sending me all these people, he don't understand me either. And I said, uh, Tim, let me explain something to you. I know it's in your best interest to keep me alive as long as you want. I said, but I'm not interested in staying here that long. And he says, what? I said, no. I said, when my race is run, my father in heaven will take me to where I need to be. And he says, you know what? I've heard a lot of people say that. He says, but I think you actually mean that. And I said, yeah, I mean it. Okay. Life here is way overrated, people. I do not understand heaven. I mean, the streets of gold and the trees that bear fruit all the time. And and they bear different kinds of fruit. I mean, you can have like one tree's got peaches and oranges. And that, wow. (laughs) Can I take that home with me? Wait, I'm at home. Okay. I don't understand it. But the one thing that I do know about heaven that still to this day boggles my mind is the complete absence of sin. I have no idea what that means. I, I, I don't I don't understand that at all. And so why would I put that much emphasis on the physical? When I'm going to a place that is completely void of sin. I don't I don't understand that. I, I really don't understand it. I know what it means theologically. But I don't know what that means. I have no idea. Do you know that if you're working on a car in heaven and your wrench slips, it can't hurt? I know. Why are you working on a car? (laughs) I don't know. I remember when I first thought about heaven that if you went out and played golf, everybody would shoot an 18. And you're like, well, that wouldn't be any fun. (laughs) But then it dawned on me that probably ain't playing golf. Okay, why? There's an absence of sin. (laughs) (laughs) Brothers and sisters, if we would put... Years ago, I had a friend of mine who used to run a brothel up in Denver and deal in stolen uh, merchandise. And we both got saved roughly about the same time and, and we met, we were struggling. Both of us were struggling. It was, <clears throat> it was difficult. And I remember him saying to me, he said, Terry, what would happen if we put the same energy into walking with Christ that we put into before Christ? I'll leave it at that. And I always thought about that, and it always comes creeping back into my head that if I put half the energy into the spiritual life that I did into my physical life, what would happen? I'll ask you a question. When it comes to serving the Lord Jesus Christ, do you endure? Or is Christ's life in your life intrusive? And if you're not enduring, then know this. The Holy Spirit in your inner man has not made Christ at home in you. Therefore, the fullness of God is not there. And you do not have to worry about the fullness of God's life in you. And you don't have to worry about doing beyond what you can think or imagine. And you will be weary and tired and will frustrate very easily. You will have anxieties and you will have turmoil and you will continue on that path until you understand that it's not the physical, it's the spiritual. Let's pray. Father, to your glory and praise, I thank you for this time. I thank you for your word. I thank you for my brother Paul and Isaiah, James and Peter, all who set a path before us. And yet, Father, 
to know that Christ, who walked before us, to open the gates of heaven for us, can dwell in our hearts, in the inner man, at home. Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you for the amazing things you've already done. Just with this small number of people. Father, I pray that we are not complacent. and That we endure the race that is set before us. To press on to the upward calling of Christ. Father, as we look at our brother Paul. May it become our passion. To things above. Not to things here. Understanding that we are just passing through, Lord. We are but pilgrims. So the, the wonder of this place, as magnificent as it is, is but for a moment. Father, may we do exceedingly abundantly beyond what any of us could ever imagine or ever think. And may it be to your glory and to your praise. In Christ's name, amen.